When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, College Lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 203 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost. We are going to talk about a bunch of games today, including Syracuse and North Carolina, Ohio State at Maryland, Lehigh at Colgate, Boston U at Loyola, Towson at Delaware, Harvard at Penn, Dartmouth at Princeton, Vermont at Albany, and a bunch more on top of that. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like and subscribe. We're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers, and we are close on YouTube. So if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, normally I say, hey, share the podcast with your friends. Today I'm saying, hey, hit YouTube up and subscribe to us. Even if you normally don't watch on YouTube, just help us get to that 10,000 subscriber threshold. But other than that, go to laxfactor.com. You can support us that way. We also have swag, t-shirts, crap like that as well. I digress. Let us jump right into the first game I want to talk about here the Syracuse and North Carolina game. Now, Syracuse, they just couldn't hold things together Monday against Cornell. I didn't end up getting a chance to talk about that game because it was a hell of a game also by both teams. But that game ended up dropping Cuse to 4-7 and seven on the season, and that's not good, man. Syracuse needed to win out in order to get back to 500 and have any hope of making the NCAA tournament. Wins over UNC, Virginia, and Notre Dame would weigh heavily even if their overall record only ended up being 7-7 seven and seven, if Cuse was able to win yesterday and then win out over Virginia and Notre Dame. After a 7-2 and two start, Carolina, they had now lost two in a row to Duke and Virginia. Both losses were by margins that, you know, the committee looking at them would be like, eh, even though those were, lost, those were losses to good teams, they were losses by a margin that, you know, North Carolina, it didn't make it, didn't make it look very good for Carolina overall if, if they were to lose this game also and then head into the season with, with a rough schedule to end. The undoing for Syracuse in this game, though, and it's been their weakness all season long, terrible play uh, between the pipes. I don't want to light kids up specifically here, but Gavin has not – he's been the better of the two ball stoppers between him and Thompson, but he has not been a quality ball stopper all season long. And the five saves against Carolina – that's that he played a terrible game. Actually, he only I think he had uh, uh, three saves and I think Thompson had two or something like that. It was a it was pretty much a terrible performance uh, out of both goalkeepers. It was kind of fitting that both goalkeepers played. I think Gavin got 51 minutes and Thompson ended up getting eight. Both of them were well below uh, 50 percent in terms of stopping the ball. I, I think they were probably both below just about below 30 percent um, for stopping the ball. And I mean, in, in fairness to them, their defense has not played great lacrosse consistently all season long as well. But at times, like in that Duke game, they looked like they were completely formidable and excellent. And in, in this game here, they they ha I'll show you, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but there was some stat points in this game that looked very good for Syracuse. Syracuse won almost all of the statistical categories in this game other than saves. And that ends up hurting them, and they end up looting, lo losing this game. Offensively, they've been inconsistent at times, but they've also been incredible at times, as evidenced by their comeback in yesterday's game that saw them down 10-5 at one point, only to claw back and take a 13-12 lead with just two minutes to play. 
But alas, their defense and their goalkeeper uh, were called were called were called upon to stop North Carolina over North Carolina's final two possessions, and it didn't work out. That first calling they needed to stop was uh, they needed to stop and prevent Carolina from tying the game up. That effort failed. Then they needed another stop to pre- uh, prevent UNC from taking the lead and winning the game in regulation. Again, they failed. And like I said, in fairness to Gavin, neither one of those goals, and actually this was Thompson and Cage at this point, neither one of those goals were goals that you would expect your goalie to save. Both of them were point blank enough, inside eight yards, hands free, with a good angle. So neither of them were, were stops that you wanted them to save, but in the end... That's what Krieg did. Krieg made a lot of saves in this game that you would have never expected him to make, frustrating Syracuse shooters all day long, and, you know, they end up winning the game. You know, when your defense – also, the Syracuse defense only gave up 19 shots all day to this Carolina offense. And, I mean, Carolina's offense is not what it was last year. They lacked the midfield depth, but they've been getting better and better all season. So they held them to 19 shots on cage, and your goalies only make five saves combined. That is never going to be good enough. Curry, he gave all he had, three goals, two helpers. Dordovic the same. He was 3-1 and on the day. Kennedy and the defense played well most of this game other than those last two minutes, and I think both of those goals they gave up in, inside two minutes to tie the game, to allow UNC to tie it and to take the lead. Both of them were off slides that I'm not that, – that first one that Lance Tillman scored, maybe they had to go there. The slide almost got there. It was a little bit late on Tillman's shot. The the goal that they gave up to, um, to Gray, the game winner – the slide did not need to go, especially not an adjacent slide from Gray. That's kind of been an Achilles heel for Syracuse. Uh, so all of the things that have caused Syracuse's season to struggle, inexplicable slides that didn't need to go and the help couldn't get there because the slide wasn't necessary, turning the ball over on clears. Syracuse was up by one with the ball, clearing the ball and a chance to put this game away. They turned the ball over on the clear. Didn't wasn't even for it. It was just an unforced turnover. And that that ends up being kind of the story of the season here. Um, For UNC, Craig, he played well early and he played well often. The second-year netminder made 10 stops through three quarters and came up with eight saves over the fourth as Cuse mounted their comeback. Craig gets the game ball. Uh, for UNC for this one. I would say almost for sure, followed up close by Gray, whose fifth goal of the game was the game winner. He was 5-1 and one on the day. Chris Gray was. Uh, for Krieg in the UNC defense, he was under 50% in five of their first six games this season. That defense was young. They struggled often early in the season, and that caused Krieg to uh, struggle. A sign that this UNC defense might be picking it up and playing slightly better lacrosse is the fact that Krieg has been above 50% in each of their last six games. And one of those games, he was you know sitting well above there. So Krieg has been playing better. I think that also means that the, the UNC defense has also been playing better. And that's a good sign for UNC heading into the you know the second part of their season. As we look at the box score here quick, we'll look at this. Brendan Curry, like I said, 3-2. and two. You see what Syracuse did offensively. As we look at Jacob Fopp, he wins 18-30 of the draws, so he did what he needed to do. Albeit Tucci won the last two of the game. He won the faceoff after Syracuse went up, which allowed UNC to score a goal. And then he won the faceoff after UNC tied it up as well. Um, so Tucci played well late and got a couple of big draws at the end of this game when he needed to, and he was struggling up to that point. Um, but as, then as we look at uh, Carolina here, it wasn't just Chris Gray. Chris Gray, 5-1, and one, Lance Tillman, 2-3, and three. Nikki Solomon played well. I think he had two goals in the second half, 3-1. and one. So Carolina wins the game, 
And then what's Carolina got coming up here? Because for Carolina, they've got to keep winning games. They need a couple more quality wins. They've got Notre Dame and Duke left. So right now they're sitting at eight and four overall. If they lose those two games, they'll they might not be able to get themselves into the tournament. They're at large, uh, they're at large bid may fail. Their resume with losses to Duke like this and, and to Notre Dame. Assuming they lose those games, that's going to hurt. But the good thing for for Carolina is they have a chance to pick up two more quality wins. And if they can, I think if they split these games, they're in the tournament, no problem after that. So that's it. All I have to say about that game is that it was a hell of a game, though, by both teams. And it is sad for me that Cusa season is now mathematically and you know factually over, even though it was pretty much over heading into this one. Uh, the next game I want to talk about here. Ohio State and Maryland. Now, Ohio State, they were 8-3 and three on their way into a matchup versus number one and still undefeated Maryland. 2-1 and one in the big with their only loss coming to Rutgers, Ohio State was. Their non-conference losses were to Denver and Cornell, so not too bad. Maryland is Maryland. Heading into this game, a perfect 10-0 that plays, they play with a mechanical efficiency that would make the greatest engineers in the world pop a big, fat, chubby in their pants. Now, OSU gave the Terps all they could handle for three quarters, but the Terps never relented offensively and eventually wore the Buckeyes down, outscoring them 7-1 to one over the fourth quarter. Ohio State was actually up 5-3 at the end of the first, held a 7-3 lead at one point in the second, and was only down a goal 12-11 to 11 to start the fourth quarter. This was a ball game. I credit, uh, but then the Terps would score five unanswered to start the fourth, and that was that was all all she wrote after that. I credit Skylar Walland, the keeper for Ohio State. The kid got shelled, shelled over the course of the second half, but uh, stood tall, making 19 saves versus those 19 goals against overall. Without his effort, though, this game wouldn't even have been close. He made a lot of very good saves. Uh, both early and late into this game. Over the first half, when Maryland was struggling, struggling to get uh, to kind of gel overall offensively, Wallen, he was frustrating Terp shooters, making stops that you're not supposed to make, uh, and that was key for the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes, Buckeyes defense overall, they played as well as you could have asked them to play over three quarters, but Maryland's offensive machine never stopped attacking. They're like the robots in Terminator, where they're constantly probing, seeking, and searching for an opening, uh, combined with like an aggressiveness and efficiency that's almost never seen in lacrosse. What, what I marvel at is it is just dodge, bump, dodge, bump, dodge, bump, almost always under control, always looking good, they they turn the ball over rarely like the just the way that they attack an offense and just continually come at you over and over and over again was incredible and it, it's just tough to get by and you saw that with Ohio State they did it for three quarters they weathered the onslaught for three quarters but eventually Maryland was able to break through here now uh, Logan Wisnowskis he ended up spearheading the Terps second half uh, route by going for three goals and two assists over the final two quarters he went five and two overall now Luke Weirman Face-off guy for Maryland. He's been incredible all season. He won 20 of 35 draws in this game, scored a goal, and forced three turnovers. So that's huge. And uh, he's been playing like that for Maryland all year. He's won 66% of his face-offs. He scored seven goals with three helpers, and he's picked up 94 GBs. Those are damn near MVP numbers here in terms of being named the team MVP uh, for Maryland if it wasn't for Wisnowskis' you know, ballooning point total overall. 
Weirman, he's only lost more than 50% of his draws once all season against Syracuse in a game that they won. And he was 13 to 27. So he only dropped below 50%, like ever so slightly. And that was his only time dabbling, being uh, losing the faceoff battle all season long. So as we get in here, we look at team stats here too. I mean, you look at it here, Maryland, they won kind of all over the field. And that's where I say um, uh, Wallen's uh, effort in cage was so important for Ohio State because you look at shots on goal, Maryland greatly out outshot Ohio State, but he stood on his head a little bit. And then you see the turnovers. Neither team turned the ball over badly. Even though Ohio State lost this game, this looks really good for Ohio State because they played a quality game. They played a clean game. They got a good game out of their goalkeeper. Both teams cleared the ball perfectly. Ohio State was 19 and 19. Maryland 16 of 16. So overall, Maryland played a great game. Ohio State played an incredible game for three quarters. And this does this says nothing about about Ohio State outside of they're a solid team that was able to hang with the best team in the country through three quarters. Uh, what this really shows us, though, is that Maryland is really just that good. Ohio State is an excellent lacrosse team, and Maryland ended up beating them up on the scoreboard uh, by the end of it because they just never stop attacking the shit out of you over and over again. Goalkeeper-wise, uh, McNaney didn't play bad either. 11 saves against 12 goals against. You know, not his normal outing. Ohio State shooters, though, are excellent, and they played well offensively right up until that fourth quarter. Maryland's defense put the clamps down, and that was all she wrote. Now, the next game I want to talk about, it's a weird one I want to talk about here. The Patriot League is pretty brutal on the top side of the Patriot League with Lehigh and Boston U both coming in undefeated into league play coming into this weekend. Army's playing really well. Loyola's right up there despite their non-conference struggles. I mean, it is a deep conference overall. And the top half of it is just killing each other. Uh, so Lehigh was hoping to be able to go into Colgate, beat one of the worst teams in the Patriot League this season, and they that would have set them up for Boston U and Lehigh. Both of them would have been undefeated in league play heading into their matchup next weekend. And that then that that's a game that would have been a must watch game for me. Still is a must watch game for me, but still. Uh, but Colgate they had other plans. The game was tied with under a minute to play, and Marshall Ter Terrace uh, scored to give Colgate an eight seven lead with thirty nine seconds left in the contest from a feed by Brendan Jordan. I kind of butchered that sentence there a little bit. Lehigh would answer twenty seconds later, a Quinn Armstrong goal unassisted, and uh, that had just nineteen seconds left in the game. And Lehigh scores, forces overtime. Ends up being Marshall Terrace, guy who tied, uh, who gave uh, Colgate the lead earlier. Uh, he scores the game winner from out top. It was a man up goal. The defender didn't fully commit out top, even though Terrace had the ball out top in a region that you should probably have covered him. And uh, the defender tried to kind of split the two, tried to fake Terrace out. He sees that he's not coming. He steps down and lights one up, and then they win. Matt Lacombe made 15 stops on the day for Colgate. He won the goalie battle over James Spence, who had a solid 12-save outing for Lehigh. But you win the goalie battle in a close game, you often win the game. And then Colgate used those extra saves to overcome Mike Sisselberger's 13 of 19 day at the faceoff dot. As we look at uh, who did what here, Tommy Schelling, 3-2 and two for Lehigh. That wasn't good enough here for Colgate. Brian Min uh, Minicus, 3-2. and two. Marshall Terrace, 3-0. and oh. Uh, and that that was good enough here. And then, like we see here, both goalies had solid outings. You can't complain about that. So that ends up being the ball game. And now the the big contest here in the Patriot next weekend is Boston U against Lehigh. Lehigh will be looking to give Boston U their first league loss of the season in the Patriot. But like I said, I think I said it uh, last week. None of this really matters. 
all that much because you know you want to win the Patriot League. I think the Patriot League is probably a two bid team, depending on how these teams finish off their seasons. It could be a two bid team, but you don't want to bank on getting that at large. You just need to win the Patriot League. You get yourself into the tournament. On to the next, and this was another Patriot League matchup here. Loyola, they're sitting at 5-5 five and five coming into this game. Not a great place to be this late in the season, especially with your conference matchups still looming because you want to be above 500 or better to get into the tournament, and being at 500 with a couple of bad losses isn't going to do Loyola any favors here. Boston U, they fared far better overall non-conference. They start the season 6-0. and They'd rattled off eight wins coming into Saturday Saturday's game at Loyola. All three of their losses came at the hands of the Ivy League for Boston U. Harvard, Yale, and Princeton were the only teams to drop the Terriers, and Loyola was hoping, hoping they'd be the fourth, but it wasn't meant to be. Not at all. Uh, a 5-5 game at the half turned into a soft route for Boston U by the game's end. Loyola actually came out and scored the first goal of the second quarter of the second half, taking a 6-5 lead. Joey Kamish for Matthew Bennis with just over 10 left in the third. But Boston used Timmy Lay, started a five-goal run for the Terriers, and they never looked back after that. Uh, Louis Louis Perfetto had a big game for Boston U, going for two goals and six helpers, even picking up four GBs. Matt Garber won the goalie battle over Loyola's Sam Schaefer, making 13 stops versus just nine goals against. Schaefer stopped 11 shots but gave up 13 goals. He made four of those stops over the third quarter while giving up six goals, which helped Boston U kind of pull away there. Matt Hughes had a huge game on defense for Loyola despite the loss, forcing five turnovers with a helper. And then Loyola, they dropped to four and two overall in Patriot League play. So despite being five and five, they're four and two in the Patriot. They're now a game under 500 and still have to face Georgetown in an out-of-conference game before finishing up with Colgate and Lehigh. So they're going to have all they can handle just to, to get back above 500 here. They really need to win all three of the games you know, pretty much hands down uh, before heading into the conference tournament. But once again, conference tournament can can win all here, but uh, they, they really need to be at, at, what is it? They're at uh, five and six right now. If they can win two of the next three, they're sitting at, uh, what is it, uh, seven and seven and um, going into the tournament. And as long as they pick up a tournament win, then, you know, at-large considerations are here. But I think Loyola – Loyola's not getting an at-large. I'm an idiot. I don't even know why I said, why I said that. Loyola will not get an at-large bid. They're going to have to go on a run here and win the tournament from here. Uh, Boston U, on the other hand, they could still get an at-large bid even if they don't win the tournament. They just have to handle their business down the stretch. Now I'm rambling, and I sound like an idiot, so we're going to move on to the next game that I'm talking about here. Towson uh, at Delaware. Towson coming into this game. Five and six – but 2-0 in these Colonial coming into Saturday's game with Delaware. Delaware was a bit better overall. They're sitting at 6-5, and five, but they were 0-2 in the Colonial and badly in need of a win Saturday after back-to-back -back losses to UMass and Hofstra and a three-game losing streak overall. Delaware led 6-3 at the half and 9-5 after three quarters. J.P. Ward gave Delaware an 11-7 lead with 8.03 left in the fourth quarter where things would stand until 2.19 left in the contest. Kyle Berkeley, uh, he scored the first of back-to-back -back goals, uh, both unassisted. The second came just 37 seconds later, and Towson was back to within two. I think I kind of butchered that, so if that didn't make sense to anyone, I'm sorry. I'm not going to reread it, but we'll continue here. Uh, Berkeley, he then assisted on Chop Gallagher's goal with 107 to play, and we have ourselves a CAA brawl. Delaware, they won the ensuing faceoff, took a timeout, 
but then turned the ball over with 22 seconds left, giving Towson one last desperate attempt, but it was all for naught, and the Hens held on for the win. Yeah, Towson just kind of clawed back here. If we look over here, you can see here it is, 11-7, and then they kind of finished the game on that three, and it was three goals within two minutes, pretty much three goals within a minute and, what, 12 seconds to get back within it, and then they even had a chance at the end, but Delaware was able to hold on in the end. Uh, for Delaware, Kevin Lynch and Owen Grant, they combined for six cause turnovers. Lynch had four, Grant had two, so they played really well defensively for Delaware. Uh, Matt Kilkiri uh, gets the game ball for the Blue Hens, making 17 stops versus just 10 goals against. Nine of those saves came in the third quarter, so he kind of wins this game or at least helps hold off Towson's late effort to come back and win. Towson beat Delaware in most statistical categories except the one that really counts, the scoreboard. And uh, Kilkiri, Lynch, and Grant, they deserve a lot of credit for that. So that's that one. That is that game here. I think the next one I am supposed to talk about now is Michigan against Rutgers. Michigan at Rutgers, technically. Now, Rutgers, they looked like they had this in hand here heading into the fourth quarter. The Scarlet Knights led 8-3 at the half and still held an 11-6 lead going into the fourth quarter. But Michigan would end up going on a five-goal run to start the fourth and tie things back up at 11s with 9.26 remaining in the contest. And that forced Rutgers to score the game-winning goal with 3.44 left in the game to win out. Now, who saved the day? For Rutgers, none other than Ronan Jacoby, the Division Three transfer, Wesleyan transfer. He scored through his third goal of the game, 28th of the season at a time when Rutgers needed it badly when they're tied late in the game. Both goalies played excellent in this game. Connor Kirst, or Colin Kirst, he made 15 stops against 12 goals. Shane Carr is the main reason Michigan was in this game and able to battle back into it. He ends up making, what was it? Uh, da -da 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 -da. Now I'm going to have to look because my notes were wrong. Carr made 18 saves against 13 goals against, so that was a hell of a game by Carr overall. He was solid through the entire game. He had five saves in the first and third and four saves in the second and fourth. Uh, so he was just one save short in the end, but he played a hell of a game. As we look at the individual stats here, Ryan Gallagher, 2-2 two and two for Rutgers in the win. Ronan Jacoby, Three goals in the win, including that game winner. Brian Cameron, 2-1. Shane Knobloch, 2-1. Mitch Bartolo, 2-0. They got it done for Rutgers on that side of the field. Defensively, Jared John Felix, two cause turnovers and a GB. You know, nothing, nothing huge that stuck out in the stats defensively for Rutgers. Michigan ends up with uh, Justin Brown, 2-1. Michael Bame, 0-3. Uh, but what you don't see here is Zawada factoring heavily. He ends up with just one goal off seven shots. That ends up being enough to allow Rutgers to hold Michigan off, and they win the game here. Rutgers, uh, Rutgers is a, an insanely good lacrosse team here. It's it's funny to see how the how this plays out in the Big Ten because as we get in into the what Rutgers has left, and once again, Rutgers is seriously in consideration for an at large bid. I mean, they're sitting here at eleven and two with their only losses coming to Princeton and to Maryland. And uh, they've beat everybody else that they should have beat, including a really good win over Ohio State, quality win over Johns Hopkins. Um, they beat Loyola. They've beat Army early in the season. So, I mean, Rutgers has an at-large resume here. So long as they pick up a win against Penn State, then they'll have no really no bad losses on their schedule at all. I think that's a guaranteed bid for Rutgers no matter what happens in the Big Ten tournament because I'm assuming Rutgers is going to lose to Maryland in the finals of the Big Ten tournament. So I think Rutgers is good to go. It would look bad for them 
if they lose to Penn State and then they lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, that'll put them as one of the the, the last teams in, I think, overall. And I think some people would be like, well, that's stupid. How, how could you say that? Well, you look at their wins. None of these wins matter. That's a really good quality win. Loyola's RPI just isn't 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 high enough, even though I, I count that as a quality win. I count Stony Brook as a decent win. The loss to Princeton, it's going to happen. But then you beat Lafayette. Hofstra, that's a quality win. This one's okay RPI-wise. So it's just one of those deals where they don't have like a huge, huge resume. They've beat a couple of good teams. They've lost to the best teams they've played. And uh, so long as they don't lose two in a row to finish the season, I think they're guaranteed in. I think even if they lose those last two, they're probably in. So that's it. Let's move on. Harvard uh, taking on Penn. Harvard at Penn. And uh, Harvard held a 4-2 lead late in the second quarter, but a six-goal run by Penn that spanned about 15 minutes was too much for Harvard to overcome, and Penn picked up a much-needed victory. More importantly, a conference victory because Penn was sitting at 1-3 and three in the Ivy League heading into this game, and now they're 2-3 and three in the Ivy. You see here, it was a ball game, 4-2. Up to this point, per, uh, Andrew Perry gave Harvard the 4-2 lead, and then Penn goes on that six-goal run that started in the second quarter, ends late in the third. Dylan Gergar kind of uh, finishes it off on a, a feed from James Shipley, and uh, that's 8-4 Penn at that point, and then that was all she wrote. Harvard made it valiant effort. They tried to kind of get back to within three goals a couple of times, but it just wasn't enough, and Penn picks up the win. As we look at the stats here for Harvard, nothing huge offensively took place. For Penn, Sam Handley has continued to be tough for Penn. He goes 4-1 and one on the day off just nine shots. Dylan Gergar, 3-1. and one. And then in cage here, we have Patrick Birkinshaw, baby. Pat Birkinshaw, the Virginia transfer. He makes 20 saves for Penn against eight goals against. An incredible game in net for Birkinshaw. That's just bonkers. And they end up winning the game. And as we kind of look at the team stats here, uh, saves here for Birkinshaw, had a really hot hand early, eight first quarter saves, 12 saves over the first half, and then finished the game off with six more saves over the fourth quarter as Harvard tried to scrap and get back in it again. But Birkinshaw was able to hold them off, and that is the ball game. Uh, as we look at faceoffs, what happened in the faceoff? Oh, wow. There we go, baby. That's another huge. Uh, James Zuzzi, he goes 18 of 22 at the faceoff dot. So honestly, Harvard played much better offensively and defensively than I would have even thought, considering that Birkinshaw had 20 saves and and Penn won 18 of 22 of the faceoff. So that's a hell of an effort by Harvard to even be this close in a game like this. Those are those are stats that stick out like a sore thumb. And then uh, the Ivy is just going to keep beating each other up right through the end of the season here. Uh, Sam Handley was somebody I wanted to kind of look at real quick, though. As we look at Handley's season so far, you see he started pretty good. Assist heavy in those first two. Did really well against Penn State, 3-1. and A little quieter against Villanova. 3-8 and eight against Princeton. Because you see, he was putting up points, but just not insane numbers. 3-8 and eight against Princeton. 3-3 three and three against Cornell. 3-2 and two against Yale. Quiet in the loss to Brown, 1-2. and two, But they get back in the winning column, and he goes 4-1 and one in this game. Was a big reason why. So Sam Handley, I'm a big fan of his. He played well in this win. Next up. Next up, Dartmouth at Princeton. Now, Dartmouth, they're trying to take a page out of Lehigh's book, but their bid came up just short. Princeton, they had taken a 9-5 lead a little over halfway through the third off an unassisted Sam English goal. 
but Dartmouth was not done. They'd score five unanswered, taking a 10-9 lead with 12-27 left in the fourth, thanks to George Prince sticking a man-up goal from Peter Lapina. But Chris Brown, he'd take over from there. He scored two straight goals for the Tigers, getting Princeton the lead back early in the fourth, and Princeton would hold on for the 12-10 win. You see this five-goal run right here? And actually, George Prince scored twice during that run. And then you see here, Chris Brown scored the game's next two goals after Princeton was down by a goal. And uh, he gives them, he ties it. He gives them the lead back. And then they score the insurance goal. Alexander Vardaro from Coulter Mackesee. Mackesee. I was pronouncing that wrong last week, I believe. And uh, Princeton ends up winning this game. If we go through the individual stats here for Dartmouth, George Prince, 3-1. and one, Nate Davis, 3-0. and oh. And as we look at the box score for Princeton, Chris Brown, two and three on the day off eight shots. Sam English, three and two on the day. Alex Slusher, just he's been finishing well, three and oh on the day. And then the goalie battle, Eric Peters, 15 saves. He wins the goalie battle. Princeton wins the game. A hell of an effort, though, here out of uh, Daniel Hanks for Dartmouth. He had 15 saves as well, but he gave up 12 goals. Eric Peters only gave up 10. They win the game here. And then another big thing here for uh, Dartmouth, uh, another key factor was that uh, Mitchell Myers, he wins 17 of 24 draws over Tyler Sandoval, who's been pretty good. I mean, Sandoval's been really solid all season here. What's his? What do his season stats look like? Sandoval coming into the season winning... We don't have a face-off. Oh, we do have a face-off percentage. Went in 53% here, and he ends up just getting absolutely waxed on the day. But Princeton, they still managed to hold off and win this one. Vermont, they have not been very good out of conference this season, playing some up-and-down, very streaky lacrosse. They've gotten some decent non-conference wins, uh, but you know, I think most notably, did they beat Penn State? But you know, nothing crazy. They're, they're out-of-conference schedule. Uh, did not do do uh, they didn't do well by their out of, out of conference schedule, but in conference they were a perfect three and zero heading into this matchup against U Albany on Saturday, and the result was Vermont jumps out to a ten four halftime lead and rolled to a fourteen six win, improving to seven uh, and seven and six on the season and four and zero in the America East. Now once again. It, it, what you do it in the regular season is just a confidence booster in the America East. Whoever wins that conference goes to the tournament. They will not get two bids in the NCAA tournament this year. So you need to, whoever is going to get the bid out of there, they just need to win the conference tournament and get in. Uh, Vermont was able to kind of route this game despite Tommy Burke having an off day. He won just eight of 21 of his draws against Regan Endress of Albany, who won 13 of 22 uh, on the day against the All-American in um Tommy Burke, but Ryan Cornell's 13 saves were more than enough to make up for that possession disparity as the Catamount netminder only gave up six goals all day long. Throw in David Klosterman, six points off two goals and four helpers, and Thomas McConvey sticking four goals off seven shots, and that was all she wrote for the Great Danes. But once again, it all comes down to get into the America East Tournament, win it, get in. Who gives a shit what you did during the regular season? That's, that's the truth of it here. Next up, Penn State and Johns Hopkins. I was dying Easter eggs and uh, sipping on alcoholic beverages at this point, nursing my wounds from the Syracuse loss. So I actually didn't watch this game at all. And uh, But as you see here, Hopkins, they jump out to an early lead, and they just extended that lead slowly but surely to get to that 13-10 victory. As we hit the box score up here for Penn State, Will Peden, 1-3, Matt Costin, 3-0. Penn State struggled offensively all year. Haven't had a lot of consistency there. Connor DeSimone, he kind of wakes up here. He goes for six helpers on the day. Only took two shots, but had six assists. Garrett Dignan, 
flip that script. He goes for six goals on the day. He has been huge for Hopkins. Jacob Angelis, 2-2. Two and two. Joey Epstein gets a little action, 2-0. and oh. Brendan Grimes back in the mix, 2-0. and oh. So Hopkins picks up a much-needed a much Big Ten win because it's not going to get much easier for them. Who do they have left? Maryland at home. So that's good. They got Maryland at home to finish the season here. They really need to pick up a win. Uh, they're six and seven, so they want to get back to 500 because if they don't, they're screwed. They're not at large worthy at this point either. They're going to have to win the Big Ten tournament, but right now they're just trying to battle, you know, I guess to make sure they get in. I think they're right now the fourth. I actually, you know what? Do all the teams this year play in the Big Ten tournament? They may do that again this year, but I even if they didn't, I think uh, Hopkins would be the fourth team in. Uh, either way, I'm, I'm an idiot here. It's Easter, man. Cut me a break. Another one I wanted to talk about, UMass and Fairfield. Fairfield coming into this 7-5. and five, two, uh, They were actually 7 and – no, Fairfield came into this game at 6-5, and 1-1 one and one in the CAA. UMass was sitting at 6-4 and four at 1-1 one and one in the CAA. And UMass kind of had control. It looked like a little bit early. They've got a 4-3 lead here. And then it goes off the wheels down here. It was what six to uh, ten to six UMass uh, at this point here in the second quarter. Kevin Tobin gave UMass a ten to six lead thanks to a feed by Grant Breo, and then Fairfield rattles off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine unanswered goals to take a commanding 15-10 lead before getting outscored by UMass, you know, over the final stretch of the game, but it didn't matter. That nine-goal stretch for Fairfield was huge. That's that's actually why I wanted to cover this, because at one point I saw that Fairfield was down, and then I saw that Fairfield was up huge, and it was like, what the hell happened? And I, when you look through the box score and you see the logo just show up over and over and over again, that is a good run. Mikey Drake here scoring five goals over this run. He has one here, one, two... Yeah, Mikey Drake scores five goals in that run, that nine-goal run, which is pretty crazy. So that was that game. And uh, what else do we have to talk about here? Virginia, I, I didn't talk about it. Virginia did win. They beat Quinnipiac last night. But the big one here was uh, Duke waxing Virginia on Thursday night. Uh, Brennan O'Neill goes, he's just been a monster through the last uh, handful of games here for Duke. Look at this. You know, three. He goes six and three against Towson. Has a down game in the loss to Syracuse, but since that Syracuse loss, seven and zero, oh, seven goals against Carolina, three and two against Notre Dame, and four and four against Virginia. So O'Neill has been an absolute monster. But yeah, Duke beat up Virginia. Uh, we had that Cornell Cuse game that was just a heartbreaker in overtime. Cuse lost. Um, so. That's it, man. It's Easter. I got to get on with my life here. 33 minutes, so that is going to be our show for today. I didn't get a, a Thursday show in. Work just keeps kicking my ass, so every once in a while I'm missing that Thursday show. I apologize for that. You got the 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 Sunday show last week did really well. Did a thousand plus views on YouTube, and then it did probably that across other platforms. So pretty decent viewership and listenership. So thank you all for that. Uh, I'm going to once again. I'm going to try to be back on Thursday. Uh, that's the plan is to do my Thursday preview show and then I'll be back Sunday. So be sure to come back. But as always, right now, listener, whatever you are, if you're not subscribed to YouTube, please help us out. Get to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash lax factor. Give us a subscribe, even if you don't normally dabble in YouTube, because it's it'll be huge to just be able to get to 10,000 subscribers. I've been working on this for three years now. I want to get to that number, so help us out. That's all I ask of you. So that's it. I will be back Thursday and Sunday of next week. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And Hoost is out. Mm -hmm.